As we begin a new series today, a shorter series of Genesis, I will add, but a new series, I want to talk to you about the essential characteristics that we want to be identified by those who are influenced by this church, Redfield Wesleyan Church. And we're going to look at the first one of those this morning as being compassion. We've designed six core values around the acrostic of the word Christ. Compassion, honor, responsibility, inspiration, scripture, and truth. And I'm just going to look at the first one of those today. Compassion is defined by Merriam-Webster as a sympathetic consciousness or awareness of someone else's distress, together with a desire to alleviate it. Now I want to say, first of all, that compassion is not just something that is natural to us. We are born with a sinful nature, and, and because of that, we think more selfishly, and we, we are sympathetic and conscious and aware of our own distress. <laughs> And we want to alleviate that. To think outside of that, to be aware of other people and their distress, and to desire to alleviate that is what compassion is all about. But such godly compassion is something that is supernatural. The greatest examples of compassion are God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ and they are found in Scripture. And I want to just start off this morning just reading five or six Scriptures that that, uh, speak to this area of compassion and, and reference that. Psalm 103, verse 8, says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. Zechariah, chapter 7, verse 9, says, this is what the Lord Almighty said, administer true justice, show mercy and compassion to one another. And then you go to Matthew chapter 9 and verse 36, and you'll remember this verse real well, where Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then in Matthew 14, verse 14, it says, When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. Matthew chapter 15, and verse 32, Jesus called his disciples to him, and he said, I have compassion on these people. They have already been with me for three days and have had nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry, or they may collapse on the way. And what did he do? He fed them, the 5,000 people. And then in Matthew chapter 20 and verse 34, again it says, Jesus had compassion on them, and he touched their eyes, and immediately they received their sight and followed him. Next thing I want to do is talk to you about just some different quotes, some things that people have said about compassion. Henry Ward Beecher said, Compassion will cure 
more sins than condemnation. It is quite easy um, <clears throat> for some people just to strike out at sin and condemn it and, and raise their voices against it, but very few people actually change their lives <laughs> because somebody's condemned them. Compassion is much more effective, and it's hard sometimes for us to recognize that, but what he said is so true. Compassion will cure more sins and help more people walk away from their sin than condemnation ever will. Dr. Bob Black was one of my favorite two professors in, in all of my college years. <clears throat> and he said this, if it doesn't reach our wallets, our energy levels, and our time schedules, it is not compassion. In other words, compassion is going to cost us something. Compassion is going to cost us something financially. It's going to cost us some energy. And it's going to cost us some time. If we're really compassionate, if we really care about the needs around us. Christine Kane said, compassion is only compassion. When you cross the street and go to someone. Too often we just confuse compassion with emotion. Instead of, instead of action. And compassion requires some action. And then I love this quote by George Washington Carver. He said, how far you go in life will depend on your being tender with the young. Compassionate with the aged. Sympathetic with the striving. And tolerant of the weak and the strong. And I love that line. Because you have to be tolerant of both. <laughs> tolerant of the weak, but also we all have had those times when we had to be tolerant of the strong <laughs> and the strong-willed people. And then he says this, because someday in your life, you will have been all of these. As you go through your life, you, you go through different phases and seasons in your life. And so he says, how far you go in life will depend on how you do the, all of those things. Amy Grant, songwriter, said, but my experience is that people who have been through painful, difficult times are those people who are filled with compassion. Craig Rochelle wrote in a daily devotional that I read in uh, 2019, <clears throat> he said, God designed us not to be robotic action heroes, but to be men and women of strong character and tender hearts. I love that combination. Strong character, tender hearts. He goes on to say, He made us as relational and social beings to need each other so that we can help each other. And then the last quote that I want to share with you today is from Francis Schaeffer, the great theologian, from England. He wrote, Biblical orthodoxy without compassion is surely the ugliest thing in the world. Biblical orthodoxy, biblical truth, doctrine, without compassion is surely the ugliest thing in the world. Priscilla, if you go back to slide three. <clears throat> One of the things that 
when you look at these list of six court characteristics, if you focus on just one of those, you won't be a well-rounded person and you won't be a healthy person. If our church just did three of those, we wouldn't be a healthy church. You see, if you if you're very compassionate, but you ignore scripture and truth, you're not really helping anyone <laughs> long term. You might be loving them, but you might be loving them right into hell. And if you've got all the truth in the world, the biblical orthodoxy that Francis Schaeffer was talking about, but there's no compassion, trust me, no one is going to love the truth you're speaking. And they're not going to respond to it. And so you have to bring all of these things together and they have to meld together to make a healthy person. And, and you see that in Christ. Christ is the, the perfect embodiment of grace and truth. Of compassion and scripture. He had compassion on people, but what was he always quoting? The scripture. Everywhere he went, he was always quoting word for word scriptures out of the Old Testament. And so there's that balance that comes in life. Now, one of the things as we get to talking about the church is Neo Castellanus wrote a book. He says, where the cross meets the streets. And in that book, he suggests that a church should demonstrate compassion in four different quadrants. The first one is proclamation and formation. In other words, in the way that we proclaim the gospel message and the way that we teach it, the way that we instruct others in, in it. So in other words, we, we demonstrate compassion by having Sunday school, maybe by starting a Christian school, maybe by doing our Bible studies, uh, maybe by um, Bible school or children and youth programs. Um, by being involved in global partners or world gospel mission, some of those kind of things, that's proclamation and that's formation. And, and if we're going to be compassionate towards people, they need to hear the gospel. If all we do is meet physical needs, we really haven't been very compassionate because it doesn't prepare them for eternity. So there's got to be proclamation and there's got to be formation. Secondly, he says that a second quadrant is that a demonstration of compassion among those who are suffering, among those who are needy and lonely and sick and dying, among those who are uh, in danger of fires, losing their houses or whatever it might be. And so every church needs to find a way to, to demonstrate compassion among those who are in need. For us here in Redfield, that might be, but through supporting Tri-County Good Samaritan Center or the Family Crisis Center. It might be uh, by supporting, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, the Benevolence Fund of our church, meeting needs within our own church family. Might be taking on a foster child or supporting the Salvation Army or being part of a grief share where you minister to people who are grieving or taking part in Celebrate Recovery, or Narcotics Anonymous, uh, being involved in nursing home ministries, all those kind of things where we just reach out and touch people 
who are in need. The third area is one that we don't often think about, but it is it's something that we our world has given a lot more thought to um, in the last couple decades, and I think it's healthy. And that is restoration and development. That is creating a long-term vision for the restoration and development of a particular community. Um, One of the things that a number of urban churches have done is they have adopted a certain maybe six block square. And they said, we are going to impact that area of our city for the gospel. We're going to go in and minister and, you know, clean up that area, minister to people, get to know people in that six blocks, and do whatever. It might not even be close to their church, but that they, they adopted an area and they had a long-term plan for taking care of that part of the city. So that's, that's an area of restoration development, thinking long-term. World Hope International, a Wesleyan um, <clears throat> social mission agency, um, that Joanne Lyons started years ago is is very involved in restoration development. They go to third world countries and and they they help people that don't have jobs set up uh, small businesses that they can support each other. Or you know they they would um, start a, a family with a couple of chickens or a couple of pigs or sheep or goats or something or other so that they could provide milk for their family and begin to sell products and change a culture in a particular village in a third world country. Um, Voice of the Martyrs would be another one of those that that is out there to defend those who are being persecuted for their faith. Um, Martin Luther, um, Martin Luther King would have been one that did this so well, saw the restoration development of a particular community of people and wanted to bring them health long term and, and did things, unlike we're doing today, did things in a healthy way that really helped uh, those people. And then confrontation of injustice is the fourth quadrant, where we take action on behalf of the poor, the vulnerable, and the voiceless. People that, you know, just can't do anything for themselves because they've been so taken advantage of. When you think of the sex trafficking, child trafficking, all the things that are happening in our world today, um, again, Voice of the Martyrs, uh, Christians being persecuted for their faith, um, World Hope International also very involved in, in uh, releasing people from the sex traffic trade and all of those kind of things. But there's areas in which every church can find a way to get involved in compassion ministries in one way or another. One of the great quotes that I like is this. Instead of focusing our efforts on pulling drowning people out of the river, we need to go upstream to find out who is pushing them in. (laughs) In the first place. And I think one of the great things that World Hope has done is they not only are rescuing people in Cambodia and other parts of the world from uh, sex trafficking and, and selling the children, all that kind of stuff. But they have started, in many countries around the world, they have finally gotten legislation through so that they can prosecute people who commit those crimes in places where that had never been the case. They, they knew they could get by with those kind of crimes 
without any penalty and World Hope, you know, went upstream to find out who was pushing them in and then changed the laws in those countries so that they could be prosecuted. And that that's that's part of Christian compassion. That's part of confronting injustice and doing something with it. Well, you and I and Redfield Wesleyan, we can't do everything. But we do need to be involved in compassion. And we need to find our niche uh, and how we express that. And then I want to talk to us just briefly about individually. How do we practice compassion as an individual? Well, first of all, we have to remember that compassion is love in action. You cannot develop compassion without acting, without doing something. Because just feeling something um, isn't going to get there. In fact, you probably won't feel much compassion if you don't go do something. Compassion is action, and you will actually catch compassion by acting on a need, whether you feel the need yet or not, just by getting involved in a need that will grow your compassion. Secondly, if if we would look for someone to help in a small way every day, that will foster and help us to grow in our compassion. Just Because there's people all around us every day who even the smallest, simple thing can be an act of compassion on our part. If we just open our eyes and start to look for those opportunities to show compassion and just act on that. It may not even cost us much. The slightest little thing sometimes can can make compassion grow in our life. And then one of the other important things is to take the time to imagine what, what it would be like to be another person and to walk in their shoes. And it, as we do that, as we stop and think about, you know, sometimes even if we did that with people that we're just really frustrated with, <laughs> and if we just stopped and put ourselves in their shoes sometimes, what a difference that would make or could make in our lives. And so we need to remember to put ourselves in the shoes of other people. And then volunteer in an area of giftedness. Again, you can't do everything. I can't do everything. But you can do something that grabs your heart and grabs your abilities. God gifted abilities that God gave you. Find a way to use those because if you can combine what you really are good at and what you enjoy doing with an act of compassion, it will become natural for you to grow in that area of compassion because you'll be expressing compassion in something you love doing and so if you can find ways to marry your gift mix with an act of compassion that is a great thing to do read about compassion um how to movies that involve compassion do something that you you get to or you know, find people that are just compassionate and get around them. Spend time with them. Let them rub off on you. And then don't just give to a cause. Get personally engaged one-on-one if you can. If you sponsor a child, get to know the child that you're sponsoring. Don't just send money. 
years ago when World Hope was first starting up and our kids were real little, um, we had Joanne come and, and uh, to our church and she was talking about, she was big into the uh, child sponsorship program that they were starting up. That was one of the first things they did. And um, Kelby, our oldest, hooked on to that right away. And so we decided, well, yeah, we could, we could support a child. Um, and we wanted our kids to grow up having a love for missions and a love for compassion. And so that was a way to do that. Now, we weren't always real good about, um, you know, communicating with the child or getting communication back and forth and all of that. But we attempt, and to this day, I still have uh, my child from World Hope that's in my Bible, and that's my, my bookmarker as I read through my Bible. Um, and I look at it every day, and I'm not faithful every day to pray for him and all of that, but I, I, I should be. Um, and so if you can find a way to not only just give to support a cause, but if you can be involved in that and get one-on-one involved um, with someone in compassion, that will really help in developing and practicing this act of compassion. I want to close this morning by this uh, piece of prose from St. Teresa of Avila. He says, Christ has no body, now on earth but ours, no hands but ours, no feet but ours. Ours are the eyes through which Christ's compassion looks out to the world. Ours are the feet with which he is to go about doing good. And ours are the hands with which he is to bless us now.